How are you all doing this morning? Good. How many parents are glad your children are back at school? Come on, I thought there'd be a lot more enthusiasm. You want them to stay home for this year? No, I'm glad my son's back at school, even though it's probably not a good thing for the poor teachers, but hey, it's what we do, eh? We offload our problem onto teachers for five days a week so that we can have a break, and uh, it's a good thing to do. And um, <laughs> You're all really quiet, eh? Why don't we give... Tanya became, she became a nana again last night with a little granddaughter. Poor girl has four sons and now she's got a granddaughter. So there's a girl in the family now. It's awesome. And uh, it's really good. Hey, as far as fasting goes, it's true. At the end of the service, you'll be able to grab one of these from one of the ushers on your way out. And uh, there's just a two-page thing about fasting, what to do, what not to do. Can I really advise you if... Um, you uh, have a medical condition that you don't do this unless you talk to your doctor first. Uh, if you have a hard working job, you know, um, you know, on a computer all day, hard working job, then uh, you know, make sure that you're looking after yourself. Um, I, know, I know of one guy that did some fasting and he was on scaffolding way up high painting and started to get a bit dizzy and nearly fell off. So you don't want to be doing that. And so be smart. There's also going to be a prayer first booklet, and it's just filled with a bunch of prayers that you can pray for all different things uh, over the next 21 days that you need. And also, uh, we're going to give out a, a word for today to you guys. And um, it's just, word for today is just a great thing. It's a little scripture, a little thought, a little something. And because the whole idea behind last week's message is when we do little things consistently, they bring about big results. And I want to encourage you over the next 21 days, the best way to break a habit is to start a new one. The mistake we made is we try to break bad habits instead of creating new habits. And so I want to encourage you, create a new habit. Uh, you know, there's a My 15 concept that we've done here at church for years. It's five minutes of prayer, five minutes of praise, and five minutes of reading your word. The word for today will help you or go into you version on your mobile app. And there's just a ton of different things that you can go through. And I guarantee that if you do those things consistently for 21 days, that you'll see a big result happen in your world. Isn't that all right? And that's what we want. We don't do this because we're trying to, uh, because we want you to suffer. We're doing this because the Bible says that Jesus said to Adam and Eve, go, th go forth and multiply and fill the earth. And so God's plan for us is always to thrive never to shrink back, but always to move forward. But what we don't understand is that sometimes in the kingdom, you have to go without to get something that you've never had, yes? Come on, so sometimes we don't understand we're gonna do something in the physical that changes something in the spiritual so that we can actually be people that thrive in life. And I don't know about you, but there's a couple of areas in my world, but there's a couple of areas in some other people's worlds that I'm gonna be praying for over the next 21 days that I wanna see happen. And um, I thought it was really cool this morning, Jenny was praying during the prayer meeting, Tom Kidd, and she said, let's not just pray for ourselves over 21 days, but let's think of somebody else that we can pray for. And I really want to encourage you to do that so that you don't just see breakthrough, but everybody sees breakthrough. And the thing is, is that what you need to understand is on the other side of your breakthrough is somebody else's. When we can break through into a different area of God, it affects everybody around us. And I really want to encourage you to do that and so I'm going to talk about fasting this morning just so you understand that it's not starving for Jesus as my son calls it 
but it actually has a spiritual principle behind it. And we're going to look first of all in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, when you fast. When you fast. He actually goes on and says, when you fast, when you pray, and when you give. There's only three things that Jesus said in the New Testament are things that are not really optional for us. He said, when you fast. Not if you fast, if you feel like fasting, but when you fast, or when you give, or when you pray, do it like this. And so it's really important that we understand that Jesus is trying to teach us a principle here that will help us in life. He's not trying to take from us. Too many people, when it comes around giving or it comes around fasting, thinks that they're they're getting a loss. But the thing about the kingdom is that sometimes when you lose something, you actually gain something a whole heap more. And, And we don't function that way as human beings because we think very differently. The world's culture is very different. You don't give away to get. You keep and you save and you hold on to what you've got. But God teaches us a different principles all the way through Scripture. His ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we need to understand that fasting is not an option. Now, I know some of you will say, I've tried it and I just can't do it. You can do it. It's just willpower over your stuff. Yes? Are you with me this morning? Because I can't hear you. are like, man, if I knew you was talking about fasting, what would come next week? But also, this is in Mark 2.20. This is Jesus talking to him. But someday the groom, that is Jesus, will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And so Jesus is saying, it's not a question of if you fast, it's when you fast, that is the thing. Why fasting? Because fasting is simply this. Fasting is a spiritual discipline of denying our appetites to focus on God. Fasting is a spiritual discipline to deny our appetites to focus on God. I don't know about you, but I could, I could do with denying some of my appetites for 21 days. Does anybody, okay, don't laugh then. Let's leave me hanging out here all on my own. I'll come over here because Rima laughed. Um, but all of us, all of us could do with not giving in to our appetites. And I'm not just talking about food appetites. I'm talking about we have an appetite we have major appetites in our world, yes, for, for TV, for movies, for social media, for all sorts of things. We have appetites for them. That's, that's, you know, that's why we have this new culture called binge watching and Netflix and all those sorts of things. We all have appetites for things. And what fasting does is fasting says this, for a period of time, I'm going to make God my focus and I'm going to give up that for a period of time to make God the focus. It's a spiritual discipline of denying yourself to focus on God. So for a season, for a time, I'm going to deny my appetites so that I can focus on God. And God's really clear on this when he talks about often about us uh, making sure that our, our lusts, our, our own desires don't rule our world, yes? The only way that you can overcome some of your appetites and some of your addictions is by actually denying them, by getting self-control back over your world so that you can actually do the things that you want to do. Last week we looked at that scripture where, where Paul says, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do do. And then he goes on and goes, what a wretched man I am, but thank God, <laughs> Jesus can set me free. And here's the thing, that when we focus on him and we deny ourselves of our appetites, God starts to set us free from those addictions that we have, and we all have them. You know, the only way that I can really describe to you how I find fasting for me when I do it, is that if I take my glasses off this morning, 
Um, a lot of you will be really pleased because when I don't wear my glasses, it's, it is out of focus, but more than that, um, I have this problem in the back of my eyes, so when I don't have my glasses on, everybody looks tall and skinny. That's why I look at myself in the mirror every morning without my glasses on and, you're all right, son. Hey? All of you, all, you, all of you in here that are worried about your, your weight or whatever, from now on, whenever you talk to me, you're going to ask me to take my glasses off first. And so everything starts to get out of focus, but once I put my glasses on, everything comes back into focus. And what happens sometimes in life is we let things get out of focus a little bit, don't we? We let some bad habits creep in. We let some things happen. Life gets a little bit blurry. We get a little bit complacent and lethargic. Old habits that were gone start to come back into our lives again. And what fasting does, it just gives us an opportunity to refocus again, to bring ourselves back into alignment again. Because fasting breaks the world off us and prayer connects us to God. And it's so important that we do the two together. If you're just fasting without praying, you're just starving. Because it's not about the physical thing, it's about the spiritual thing. And so we understand that Jesus is always our example. And so what did he do before he started his mission on earth? Well, we know it, but let's read it again. It's in Matthew 4, 1 to 2, and it says, When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Everybody say hungry. Some of you are going to be hungry just after breakfast. He's hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. It's, it's, I, I love the Bible sometimes because it states the obvious. Yeah? It's like, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Oh, really? <laughs> it's genius. But the reality is, is that you're, you're going to get hungry, but you need to understand something, that there's a different hunger to your physical hunger. I believe that even though Jesus was hungry in this moment... And he's fasting before the most monumental task that anybody's been asked to do. Jesus was asked to go to the cross and die on the cross for all of our sins. It's a big mission. It's a big task. And he started off by fasting and he was hungry. But there's a thing that I believe that there was a hunger before the fasting that drove him to the fasting. And it wasn't a physical hunger, but it was a hunger that began way before his fast ever did. And in Isaiah 61, verse 1b, it gives us an indication of what that hunger was. It says, he has sent me, that is Jesus, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Aren't you glad that he binds your broken heart? To proclaim freedom to captives. Is anybody here who's been set free from captivity and released from darkness for the prisoners? Anybody here that's had stuff broken off their lives that God has set us free from? When Jesus started his fast, yes, there was a physical hunger, but this was the hunger that drove him to it. It wasn't a physical thing, but it was a, it was a hunger for something to happen. Spiritual hunger always leads to fasting. It always leads to a fast. When we're spiritually hungry for the things of God, it will always drive you to a place of fasting because fasting, it, that spiritual hunger that drives you to that place of fasting, in Jesus' case, was a hunger to see changed lives. And it says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, but when he came out, it says that he was empowered by the Spirit. Something happens when we get spiritually hungry for God to change people's lives, that we step into fasting, and we go from not just being led by the Spirit, but empowered by the Spirit. A change takes place in us. And, and 
the Bible, there's several times that people fasted, and, and I want to touch on those this morning, and then we're going to finish off with a, uh, with a little bit of a challenge for each and, other, each and every one of us, but I want you to show that, that fasting is something that has happened all the way through Scripture for all sorts of reasons and all sorts of situations, and one of these might relate to you. For example, Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament was a king of Israel. And they were completely surrounded by all of their enemies and he didn't know what to do. And so he hungered for clarity and he fasted. It says in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Why was he fasting? Because he wanted a clarity. He wanted to hear God's voice. He wanted to know what to do in the situation where they're surrounded by enemies. He wanted God to answer. He needed God to answer now, like he needed a God answer in the, minute, in the middle of a situation. And I don't know about you, but maybe you're searching this morning for some clarity. You're not sure what to do in different situations. Should I take that job or shouldn't I take that job? Is this relationship the right one for me or is it not? Should I make this investment or should I not make that investment? Should I send my kids to this school or that school? You know, all these decisions that we want, that we're trying to make, and we just need a clarity. We just, we just, I don't know about you, but there are some times when there's a decision where I just want to hear God's voice. I'm pretty sure I know what to do, but I just need Him to give me a confirmation that I'm going in the right direction. And so he fasted for clarity. And Jehoshaphat's hunger for clarity is what led to the fast. And in the fast, God gave him clarity that he needed and not only did they not die but his whole entire army was saved and they were able to escape the enemy maybe for you this morning there needs to be a fast a hunger hunger for clarity from God Esther had a hunger for courage Esther was a queen in the courts of the king but she hadn't really been in the king's presence for about eight or nine months you got to understand that Back in those days, the king had like three, four hundred wives, so, you know, <laughs> you probably only got to see him once every blue moon. Um, the rest of the time, Esther was having milk baths and spa treatments and making sure she would smell nice and look beautiful for the moment that he wanted to see her. How many women here think that's not a bad problem to have, that you just have to spend your whole day having spa beauty treatments? It's my kind, it's, well, it's not mine, but it's probably your kind of calling. It's like, Jesus, please, can, can I be like Esther and just spend seven days a week at a spa clinic having massages and facial treatments? I'll do that, for, I'll suffer for Jesus to do that. But Mordecai comes to her uncle and he says, hey, we have a problem. There's a man that's close to the king. And he wants to not only kill me, but he wants to kill all of the Jews. You have to go and talk to the king. And what she understood, that if she walked into the king's presence without her being invited, he could have her killed. And so Esther hungers for courage, and it says here in, in verse 16, because she's paralyzed by fear, she's fearful of what's about to happen. What if I lose my life? How can I do this? And it says, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maids will fast as you do. So why did she fast? Because she needed courage. She needed courage to step into 
a desperate situation and she needed the courage to be able to go and put her life at risk and talk to the king. And so she calls the Jews to fast and she herself fasts. I don't know about you, but there's plenty of times in my life where I need a little bit of courage. There's plenty of times in my life where I, I need a little bit of courage. I was talking to somebody this week and I was just talking about different things that they were doing. And in the end, I said, I think you should stop doing anything that you're not enjoying. And sometimes to do the things that we love requires us to make a sacrifice along the way. Some of you are stuck in jobs you actually don't really like, but you're stuck there because of the income. But what you really want to do is the income's a little bit less. And so there's this, there's this fear there that if you step out of that job and into the one that you feel called to, the one that you feel passionate about, that somehow you might financially suffer. And so you need courage to make the decision. But I wanna encourage you this morning, but if you feel to do that, the Bible says this, that nobody goes without, that they give up something for him. That he does not repay 60, 80, and 100 fold. You gotta trust him that if he's put that desire in you, he's gonna make sure that you thrive in that area. But maybe you need courage to make a decision about a relationship, a decision about a job, whatever it may be. A decision to have a tough conversation. How many people like having tough conversations? I have a plan around tough conversations. I have them in my head and pray that they just work out. Yes? You need courage to change jobs. You need courage to step into what God is asking you to do. And we live in a culture, we live in a world that is actually paralyzed by fear. We live in a world that says that everybody's individualistic, but if you ever, in high school guys, if you're in high school, if you ever stand up and start living for Jesus seriously, you'll find out how quickly people don't like you to live independently. There's a world that is paralyzed by fear so much that we do everything we can to fit in instead of standing out. And we need courage to stand out. We need courage to do the things that, that God has. And Esther had a hunger for courage and the coverage drove her to fast. And we know the story that God came to her rescue and not only saved her and all of the Jews, but actually the man that was trying to destroy them is the only one that got killed by the king. I wanna tell you when you need courage and it's a God thing and you can fast and believe God for that courage, when you step out, God will always come to your rescue. Joel in the Old Testament hungered for a, a breakthrough. Joel was a prophet to Israel and, and he was saying to Judah at the time, he said, hey, listen, you've got major sin issues in your life and you need to change them and you need to repent. This is what God was trying to say to Judah. You've got some sin stuff going on here and you need to repent of those and change of those. And it goes on in Joel 1.14, he says, declare a holy fast, summon the elders and all that live in the land of the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. So he says, hey, as a nation, we need to see breakthrough. There's some stuff going wrong in Judah right now. We need to see breakthrough. And so he declares a holy fast because he wants to see some things take place. And maybe in your world, you need to declare a holy fast over your life. We all have sin in our world at times. We all have stuff that we repeat over and over again and we don't understand why. We all have stuff where where we think we're free and it just seems to always pull us back sometimes. And maybe you're in that thing where you just feel like you're constantly going in this circle where you, you, you sin, you come to God, you always just ask God to forgive you. It's all good, he'll sort it out, no problem. 
the reason why some of you keep on repeating the cycle is because the key to forgiveness is one, repent to him so he forgives you of your sin, but then you need to find a person to talk to because the Bible says that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, then we're healed. It's not enough just to confess to him. That'll bring you forgiveness. But what you actually need is healing so you don't go back into the cycle. But if you're in a cycle of this thing where it just keeps coming, then maybe you need to declare a holy fast over your life and go, you know what? I'm going to see that thing breaking over my life. I'm going to see alcohol breaking over my life. I'm going to see drugs breaking over my life. I'm going to see addictions breaking over my life. I'm going to see my eating habits change over my life. I'm going to see some of these things that have become an addiction to me, a, a, a thing to me that I'm going to see them broken off my life. The list could go on and on, but you might be here today, and man, I am desperate for a breakthrough in this area of my life. Maybe it's your finances, I don't know. But you can declare a holy fast. And Joel's hunger for a breakthrough is what led him to lead Israel and the elders to fast. So I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're hungry for? What is it that you're hungry for? What is it that you really want to see changed in your world? Because we all have things that we want to see changed. We do. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. It's not much more improvement for me in that area of my life because I'm pretty perfect. I felt really bad yesterday because I was sitting on my iPad and next minute Trinity's done the bathroom and the toilet and she's vacuuming and she's doing the washing and I'm still sitting there on my iPad going, what are you doing, boy? <laughs> You're going to get in trouble in a minute. So I went and mowed the lawns because that's a man's job. Well, actually, it was Seth's job, but Seth got his braces on Friday and so he told me on Saturday he couldn't mow the lawns because his teeth were too sore. I explained to him that we don't do the lawnmower like this, <laughs> but we use our hands, but somehow it just didn't quite get through to him. But we need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in your marriage. You need a breakthrough with your kids. Whatever it may be, what is it that you're hungry for? What is it that your heart desires? Do you hunger for breakthrough? Do you hunger for clarity? Do you hunger for courage? Do you hunger to get out of your financial debt? What is it that you're hungry for? Because I promise you, the scripture teaches us that when we fast, God responds and and Isaiah, he gives us an indication of how he responds when we fast. It's in chapter 58, and it's verse 8 to 9. It says this about God. It says, Then your light will shine like the dawn, and your wounds will be quickly healed. Your God will walk before you, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call out, and the Lord will answer. Isn't that great? You will call out and the Lord will answer. You will cry out and he will say, here I am. Isn't that an awesome scripture that when we fast, this is what God does. He, he causes us to shine like the dawn. Our wounds are quickly healed that he walks before us and the glory of the God protects our, what's behind us. And then when we pray, he answers and he rocks up and he says, here I am. I don't know about you, but I need some here I am moments in my life. I need some here I am moments in my finances. I need some here I am moments in my own personal uh, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I need a here and moment in my parenting. I need a here and moment in my marriage. I need a here and moment in a whole lot of situations because when he's with me, I'm all right. But when he's not with me, I 
I struggle and I strive and things don't really change. He says, then your light will shine like the dawn. In other words, what he's really saying here is that your salvation is going to be renewed. It's going to be fresh like it's never been before. And your wounds will be quickly healed. God will say, cry out, I will hear you. I don't know about you, but I, I need a freshness to come around my salvation. The Bible says this, you know, that he had this against the church in Revelation, that you've lost your first love. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be refreshed in that love and that joy and that excitement of, of when I first found him. I, I, I want to be refreshed. I need a, a refresh. I think a bunch of us need a refreshing in our salvation because we can just get so used to church life that we just kind of just rock up and we go through the motions and it's like I ticked the box. I went to church on Sunday and I stuck around for coffee afterwards. So that's a bonus point. Almost like we're trying to earn our way instead of going, you know what? I'm here because he saved me. I'm here because he delivered me. I'm here because if I wasn't here and I kept on living the way that I would, I'd probably be in jail or dead or somewhere I don't want to be but he has saved me and it brings us refreshing, renewing to our salvation where we get excited again and, and the scriptures come alive again and everything about and we become passionate again because here's the problem. You can have knowledge after knowledge after knowledge of the scriptures and of him, but if you don't have passion and you don't have intimacy with him, you have nothing. You can know everything about him, but if you're not passionate about him, you have nothing. If you're not intimate with him, you have nothing. You know, I could, have, I could have spent my time when I was 20 years of age, 19 years of age, just finding out everything I needed to know about Trinity. Her favorite colors, favorite movies, all the things that she enjoyed, her favorite flowers. I could, I could know everything I need to know about her. But if I wasn't passionate about her, and pursued an intimate relationship with her, I'd never have got to marry her. I know everything about her, but I'd never know her. See, too much of the word and you dry up, too much of the spirit and you blow up, so you need the word and spirit so that you can be intimate and walk with him. And maybe for you, this fasting season is all about that. I just, I want to get back to that place. I've allowed life and the craziness of life and now my kind of relationship with him has just become this mundane autopilot thing. You know, I, I discovered maybe about three years ago, I was starting to go down that road and my walk with God, just get into this Monday automatic pilot thing. It's a little bit like, you know, sometimes when you drive home from work and you can't actually remember driving home from work, but you found yourself in your driveway. Has anybody ever done that? You have that kind of scary moment of, I just drove on the motorway without even realizing it. You can get like that in your Christianity where you just fit into this kind of thing where you, you know what to do in church, you lift your hands, you clap, you smile, but you've lost the passion and the intimacy. And friend, if you've lost your passion, it's not because something took it from you, it's because you put it in a place that it could be taken. I remember... Byron Merchant saying this at youth camp, he said, if you park your car in the wrong place in the city, it's going to get stolen. If you park your passion in the wrong place, you're going to lose it. Are you hearing me this morning? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning that when, when we fast, God turns up and he says, here I am. And I, 
I want to invite you to a here I am moment in your world over the next three weeks. Because that's what should happen in a God-led, God-centered biblical fast. It should lead to a spiritual hunger. In Matthew 4, 3 to 4, it says that the tempter came to him, that is Jesus, and said, if you are the Son of God. Remember when we read earlier, it said that after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, starving. He says, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus was trying to show the enemy, I've gotten to a place where it's not about my physical hunger anymore, I'm spiritually hungry. And I'm not interested in eating bread, I'm interested in eating his words. I'm interested in, in, in being filled and overflowing with his words, with the words of Jesus, with the words of God, because the words of God bring transformation. The Bible says that no words go out of him that don't return back to him with everything that they've accomplished. I don't know about you, but I could go home and have a bread roll today, but I'd rather have his word eaten on the inside of me and accomplishing everything that it does. And it comes from a spiritual hunger. What happens in the midst of the fast is you start to transition from a physical hunger to a spiritual hunger that starts to take place. You begin to transform and Jesus shows here that fasting led him to a spiritual hunger. So how, how long has it been since you really felt that, that touch from God, that, that moment where you just knew that he was all around you, that he was in your world? How long has it been since you felt his intimacy and you felt him coming alive on the inside of you? I want to encourage you that when you fast, Man, something happens on the inside of you. The spiritual hunger that takes place. You can imagine, can you imagine what would happen if a hundred odd people in this place went for a period of fasting and got a spiritual hunger, not just for God, but, but for our community and for our neighbors and for our schools and for our workplaces and for our community. Can you imagine what would take place? The Bible says that 12 disciples turn the world upside down for Jesus. Could you imagine what would happen if a hundred people got spiritually hungry for the things of God and that became their priority. The focus was on what God wanted to achieve. Everything else was just an add-on. We get so focused on all the things that we want instead of understanding that the focus needs to be Jesus. We start seeking his presence. In other words, what he can give us instead of his presence, in other words, intimacy with him. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We, we want to seek his presence, not his presence. So often we fast and we almost do this thing. I've done this before. It's like I just fasted for a week, so therefore now I've got God's arm up his back and he has to do what I tell him to do. No, 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 no. We don't fast to get. We fast to be in relationship with him. And the Bible teaches us this in Matthew 6.33, that when we seek his kingdom and his righteousness... When it becomes about a spiritual hunger for intimacy with him, then all these things are added to us. Then all these, these things, there's nothing wrong with wanting a house. There's nothing wrong with wanting a nice car. There's nothing wrong with wanting a great career. But you've got to understand that those all come about by seeking him first. Because he actually knows the plans that he has for you. 
plans to give you a hope and a future, a plan to prosper you. And so when we seek him and we trust him and we let him lead us, then all of a sudden we can go from the prison like Joseph to the palace. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? We, we pursue sometimes the palace and end up in the prison because we're not letting him lead us in the right direction. I mean, I came out of, uh, the kids were hassling me the other day because I came out of sixth form at school, which is what, year 12 now. And, um, and Madison found my, my sixth form marks. First thing she asked me is, how come you didn't get a geography mark? I said, because, and then she found my report where it says, Craig's attendance to geography is this and this and this, and he hasn't handed in one assignment this year. That, that's kind of why I failed geography. And then I s- scraped through English um, just managed to pass English because you had to write a story. I'm not a very good story writer, I'm not great at English, but I had a brain in my head. So the night before my English exam, knowing I had to write a story, I read a Reader's Digest short story three or four times, memorized it, and then I just wrote it out in the exam. So that got me through English. Don't listen to any of this if you're a teenager. Managed to jam about two hours with a study in maths before the exam in the morning and I managed to scrape past that. So basically I passed three subjects out of five and so there's really no chance of me going to university so dad suggested maybe you should need to work for a year, get some money together and maybe go to MIT or something like that or go back to school or whatever it is. I started working for a company just as a, as a parts boy doing parts runs in a, in a van, not doing much. Never went to university, never went to MIT, but pursued Jesus with everything I had. And before I came here, somehow this uneducated kid became the general manager of a company in New Zealand with 150 international clients, 10 dealerships, and a turnover of about $25 million a year. And on over $100,000 a year. And people said to me, how did you get to where you got to? I just put God first. I just put God first. Because the Bible says that if we will honor him before men, he will honor us before his father. The, the key to your, I'm not saying you shouldn't get an education. Don't, don't get me wrong here. You should get an education. And if you need to go, to go to university, but don't forget, it's not your career that's first. It's him that's first. And when you put him first, he'll put your career first. But we need a spiritual hunger for him, and it comes about from fasting. I love that scripture about seek ye first the kingdom, because he's really saying this. Don't worry about all that stuff. You focus on me. I've got this. He's basically saying, I got this. I'll take care of that for you. You focus on me. You pursue me. I'll take care of all of that. I'll look after you. What have we got to focus on is seeking him first and putting everything else aside to focus on him. And I'm just asking you, if you would do that for 21 days, I'm not even asking for you to fast the whole 21 days. It might be one day. It might be three days. It might just be breakfast in the morning for a week. It might just be no ice cream after dinner. I did a fast one year for 21 days of no coffee. It was harder than going without food. You have to understand, I don't have blood running through my veins. I have coffee running through my veins. 
What, what is it that he's asking you to do? Maybe it's don't watch TV. Uh, you know, the greatest thing I've done this year that I felt God say to me is stop watching the news. I haven't watched the news this whole year, apart from when my parents were visiting because dad has to watch the news about eight times a day. I don't know what's wrong with old. When he gets older, he just seems to want to watch the same thing over and over again. But the best thing I reckon I've ever done is avoid the news and avoid anything about news because the news is just depressing. I want to focus on the great things that are happening in the world, not the negative things that the media just promotes to us, tries to scaremonger us with. I want to ask each and every one of you, if you would deny something over these next few days, these 21 days, whatever it is, to choose to focus on him. Because God responds to fasting. He responds to it. He changes lives through it. People get breakthroughs through it. People get clarity through it. People get courage through it. And most of all, and most importantly, people connect with their creator through it. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for Jesus this year. If I had a choice of preaching on a Sunday or having God turn up, it would always be God turn up. I'm not saying that he hasn't turned up. I'm just saying I would be more than happy if he just took over the whole meeting. That would be way better than anything I could ever say. I'm desperate for God to move in my world this year. I'm desperate to see things change. I'm desperate to see things change in your life. I'm desperate to see marriages come back together. I'm desperate to see people come out of financial Dead. I'm desperate to see healing take place in your body. And I just think when it comes to this, we need to understand something, that fasting is one of God's avenues, one of his tools that he's given us to have clarity, to have courage, to have breakthrough. And we don't pursue him in this for what he gives us. We pursue him in this. We put him first, and he just adds all those things to us. I don't know about you, but I could strive my whole life to try and get some of the things that I would like to have. But I found something out in my 46 years of being in church because my parents are pastors, so even though I was away from God, I still had to turn up every week. I know this about Him, that when I put Him first, when I focus on Him first, everything just takes care of itself. But when I try to fix things, it just seems to get worse. It just seems to get worse. You know, some of you know, we had an absolute miracle just over 18 months ago when we brought, 12 months ago, when we brought a section out at Glenbrook Beach. And Trinity said to me, I I really believe God's telling us to buy a section out there and we only have to put $10,000 deposit down and, and I'm feeling a bit nervous about it, but I trust her that she's heard from God. And so we put the $10,000 down, and then two weeks later, after they told us it'd be like six to 12 months before they'll need the rest. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's easy. We can save that up. Two weeks later, they wanted the rest of the deposit. So we managed to find the funds to do that. And then things just happened in our world financially, you know, like stuff, cars breaking down, braces, you know, all those things that come firing your way. And by the time it came to settle the whole bill, we didn't have enough. Didn't have enough. I was so petrified that we we're going to go into bankruptcy and the lawyer's letters from the people that own were just coming in 
And they weren't nice ones. They were threatening all sorts of legal action. And then two days out from, from settling, when I'm thinking, sell everything and take off to Australia or something. Two days out, all of a sudden, I check in the account one morning just to see where we're at, and it's $12,000 put in there by somebody who, to this day, I don't even know who that was. And then somebody else gave us something else, and all of a sudden, we had the funds we needed to put. Why? And I remember, I remember just sitting in my office when that all happened, and God came through for us, and sitting in the office and just going, I can't believe it. I just can't believe this has happened. I can't believe that this has happened. Can't believe it, that, that you would come through for me like this. And I remember him saying this to me really clearly. I wouldn't say it was audible, but it was pretty close. He says, of course I do. Seek ye first, and all these things are added. Seek ye first, and all these things are added. And I just remember God saying that so clearly. And then we've had financial interesting financial situation since then is just seek you first. I'm just going to seek you first, God. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to make you the priority in my finances, make you the priority in our family, make you the priority in our marriage. I'm just going to seek you first because I know if I do that, all these things are added. He takes care of us. And I don't know what it is that you need added to your world, but if you will seek him first these 21 days, not the thing that you need added, but him. It may not come straight away, but God always honors fasting. He always responds to it. Prayer and fasting. Next week, we're going to talk about prayer, but this week, I wanted to tell you about what we need to do, and I want to encourage you this week. Give it a go. Oh, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I can't. I can't. I can't even go without breakfast. I'll be so hungry. That's the idea. And when you get hungry, instead of thinking, I need food, why don't you pray instead? That's what I do. Every time this stomach goes, feed me, it's like, I'm going to pray because I want to feed my spirit, not my stomach. Are you with me? I want to encourage you. We've got information as you leave this, this morning that will help you. If you don't fast in these 21 days, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. We can't for, we're not forcing you to do this. My, my role for you is to tell you what, what God will do if you do it, but it's your choice. And no one's going to belittle you or treat you any differently if you don't. Just don't invite me over in the next 21 days for dinner with steak wrapped in bacon with a hollandaise sauce or green pepper sauce. Or If you invite me over and you're serving that up, I probably won't like you ever again. Or you ring me up and go, hey, how would you like to go out for dinner in town? And we'll go to the depot, or one of my favorite restaurants. I won't like you anymore. There will be no chocolate brownies after church for the next 21 days. But I want to encourage you, man. If you want something to shift in your world, then give it a go. Give it a chance. What, what's the worst thing that could happen? Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I just want everyone just to Close your eyes just for a moment in this place. And I wanted to ask you a question this morning, and that is this, is that if you're here and like, man, I hear what you're saying, I want to be able to do that, but I really struggle with it. I really struggle to fast. I really struggle to, to do that sort of thing. 
but I do have real needs. I really need God to move in my family. I really need God to move in my finances. I really need God to give me a job or a wage rise or whatever it may be. And so, you know, to this morning, Craig, I, I, I'd love it if you could, if you could pray for me that, that God would give me the strength, that God would give me the spiritual hunger that I require to see breakthrough. Just while nobody's looking around, I don't want to embarrass anybody this morning, but if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I really want to do this, but I'm really struggling with the concept, and I really want to try to do this and see God move in my world. I'm so excited about the anointing service in three weeks because I really believe that as we seek God for these 21 days, He can't help but turn up on that day. He can't help but turn up and minister to you and speak to you. It's going to be such a great Sunday. But it all starts with a decision today that says, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to give this a shot, but I'd really like it if you could pray for me that God would give me the strength to be able to do that. If you're here this morning, you know like, man, could you pray for me that I'd have the strength to step out in this season and do this? And why don't you just lift your hand up, and I'm going to pray for you. Is there anybody else? Come on, don't be afraid. You're like, man, I want to get a spiritual hunger in the next 21 days like I've never had before. Father, I thank you for every single hand that is lifted in this place. It's an indication to you, God, that their intention is that they want to pursue you. But they're also admitting that, man, there's going to be some challenges for me along the way. Father, I pray that you'd come right now, before they even start tomorrow morning, that you would come and they would sense your presence. They'd sense that yes and amen in their spirit. They'd sense that, that, that God is with them and not against them, that God's going to walk through this with them. God, I pray for every situation that people are thinking about today where they need breakthrough in, where they need clarity in, where they need courage in. Father, I pray, Lord, that as they put you first in these next 21 days, God, that they'll just see things happen. All the striving and all the effort that they've done over the years to try and change these situations and try and change these circumstances. God, that they'll see by seeking you first. God, when we put your house first, you put our house first. When we put you first, you put us first. God, that you'll, you supply all of our needs according to your riches and your glory. And when we pursue you with everything we've got, you're a Father that just can't help but bless. You're a Father that just can't help but heal. You're a Father that just can't help but prosper. Because God, that's what you do when we respond to you. Lord, the way that we should, God, you can't help yourself but respond back in a 60, 80, 100-fold blessing into marriages and into finances and into every other thing. Lord, I thank you, Father, right now that you're going to start to move. You're going to start to move. You're going to start to move in people's worlds. You're going to start to move right now. Come on, church. Why don't we sing this this morning? Come on. Come on, if that's you this morning and you need Him to come through, why don't you lift your hands, close your eyes, do something you've